I'm Jen Taylor Skinner, and this is The Electorate. On this special episode, I talk with Neera Tandon, the president of the Center for American Progress. We talk about the Brett Kavanaugh nomination, the incoming votes on the nomination, and of course, we talk midterms and what each and every person can do to win the Senate and the House this November for Democrats. So here is my conversation with Neera Tandon. Isn't that nice? Neera Tandon, thank you so much for joining me. Great to be with you. Yeah, it means a lot to me, actually, that you took the time to, to talk to me, actually. Thank you. That's that's an important discussion. Yes, I want to talk about what's happening today because I feel like I'm being (laughs) yanked from, you know, corner to corner with this whole Kavanaugh nomination, especially with, I think you can just correct me if I'm wrong. Right now, Flake has said he's a yes on on the nomination, right? Not just on the debate, but on the nomination. And Murkowski is a no, right? Mm -hmm. And so now we've got Collins and Manchin. Yeah, I mean, Flake said that barring some extraordinary event, which he did not anticipate. So I think we should all plan for him to vote no. I mean, to vote yes. I'm sorry. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, so all eyes are on Senator Collins and on Senator Manchin. Well, haven't all of the extraordinary events already happened? Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's, you know, this this debate has obviously been a wrenching one. And Truly, you know, we started working on the Kavanaugh nomination at CAP, you know, as, as right as he was nominated. And um, and it's been an extraordinary couple of months. But obviously, the last couple of weeks since Dr. Ford's story came forward, I think, has been really wrenching for the country and the number of women and men who've been assaulted uh this has been a really fresh wound. And the fact that we're in a situation where Republicans in the Senate are trying to ram through a decision in which on a Supreme Court nomination in which we're really talking about basically the biggest job promotion of anyone's life, um, given all the questions that remain, I think is 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 an extraordinary moment. And it's really, I think, a a devastating one for the likes of Senator Flake, who claim so much to be focused on integrity and the integrity of the system. And and obviously, I think that's basically destroyed by the Kavanaugh nomination. Do you, do you have any idea of what he was doing, what he was doing last week with the FBI delay and then, you know, saying that and I, I tweeted about this this morning, actually, saying that, you know, he would vote no if Kavanaugh lied to the committee. But Kavanaugh's been lying to the committee and it's been obvious to everyone who's paying attention. He's been lying since the beginning. Yeah. So I think the, the challenge for all of us is that we are living in a world where it takes Republican votes to stop Republicans from doing things. And. I think what happened to Flake last week was really it just became overwhelming that they were trying to jam this through. And he probably actually did hear from the intensity of those two women. And it really made him rethink why not give it an extra week. And then they ran a they ran a process here that was really designed, though, to get yes, a process, an FBI process um, run by the White House, which in, in itself is extraordinary, that never spoke to Dr. Ford or or Kavanaugh. And I think that tells you that what was really, you know, the fix was sort of in here. And you're absolutely right. Judge Kavanaugh has misled the committee and directly lied multiple times. And there's just a big wink and a nod. And I think Senator Flake said this himself. He's a conservative. He likes to vote for conservative judges. He's been looking for a fig leaf to get to yes. He's not going to run again. So, you know, one week difference didn't make a big difference to him. But, you know, I think 
I think the truth of this is that if we are expecting, I mean, I, I am um, so impressed with the leadership of people like Lisa Murkowski and Senator Heitkamp, who's in a really tough reelection, but believed this was the right thing to do. And I think if we're if we're relying on Republican senators to do by right by the country, this is only the like three thousandth example of how that is a that is that's going to be false hope for us. And you know, if I'm I we are continuing to fight until the last moment of this fight and we all have to do that. And I know women, I know I know personally hundreds of I don't know, dozens of women who, who are women who are coming in to town tomorrow for the vote. But if we do, if they do nominate Judge Kavanaugh to tomorrow, if he does move to the Supreme Court, we have to make sure that we're all active in the elections and ensure everyone we know is voting so that they can't do this again. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I guess things aren't final. Things could change tomorrow because this, I mean, I think what people should understand is that today isn't a vote for the nomination, right? It's just a vote for whether we should, whether they should move forward. Yeah. Today was just a, this is just a decision to move uh, to debate. So the final vote is tomorrow. I mean, it was the last thing we've heard is the final vote is tomorrow. Yeah. So can you help me understand something? So, you know, with the FBI and, and, you know, there's been lots of Lots of talk about the FBI investigation being compromised, right? And first of all, I'm not really sure where those original reports came from, if there was a leak or if there was some, you know, real indicators. I mean, it's, it's clear from what we've seen and like the fact that they haven't interviewed a lot of key people. But um, how is it possible for the White House to influence this FBI investigation and not the Mueller investigation, for instance. Like, I'm not really sure what the oh, yeah. relationship yeah, is. That's, that is a, that's a question I can actually answer. So in the, in the background check process, so uh, I actually have had a background check myself because I worked in the Clinton and Obama White Houses. And there's a process you go through uh, and a form you fill out, a very, very, very extensive form called an SF-86. And then the FBI actually... Um, the act, the FBI actually uh, conducts a background investigation for each of uh, you know for people who are uh, subject to a security clearance in this case, but in not they also do it for people who are being nominated for judgeships or other positions. And so, the really um, important issue here is that uh, this is a normal process in which the White House does actually work with the FBI. I mean, it's very unusual to prescribe the these investigations um but i you know they have the ability to do so because the the background check is really to serve the administration and serve the white house in whether it should nominate the person or not so that's technically why they have the ability the Mueller investigation is a separate and com- uh, is a separate track and is actually created by um the the Department of Justice has the authority to have a special counsel, name a special counsel to investigate the executive branch itself. And so that's a completely different process. And so that in that process, the FBI, the work of the FBI is ha- handled um, by Mueller, who's overseen broadly by the um, attorney general. Uh, he's obviously recused, so in that case, it goes to Rosenstein. But it's a, you know, it's these are really two entirely different practices. Now, I do think if Republicans keep the Senate um, 
and maybe even if not, but if Republicans keep the Senate, they're likely to fire Rosenstein or Sessions or both. Trump is likely to fire those those folks. So that's something that we should keep in mind. And then, you know, it would be much easier to impede the investigation. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, speaking of, 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 you know, midterms and women, women being energized. So I have this theory, you know, like a lot of people, like everyone, actually, I heard Trump, you know, mocking Dr. Ford at his rally. I think it was in, what is it, Mississippi, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and I have this, you know, theory about, you know, what he's doing there, right? Um, So I think that a long time ago, he realized that women were going to be possibly his downfall in in this administration when he saw the numbers of the Women's March and how it outnumbered or overshadowed his inauguration. He knew that this was a moment for women. And so I think what he was saying at that rally and what he's been saying since he's come out and started criticizing, you know, Dr. Ford, I mean, he is a misogynist, of course, you know, but I think he was telling his followers that if you're thinking about sympathizing with women, if you're thinking about sympathizing with the Me Too movement or with Dr. Ford, I'm giving you permission to not do that. Right. <laughs> and so that's my theory. He's giving giving permission for people who might be, you know, wavering on whether they should vote, you know, Republican in the midterms or in 2020 is giving them permission to say, hey, listen, you know, you don't have to listen to these women. That's just my theory. Yeah. I mean, I think I mean, look, I think it's I think it's pretty obvious he wants I guess my my take on what he did, which I guess it's not it's not like a high conflict with what you're saying. My my view of what Trump did uh, with Dr. Ford, and he resisted this, has been resisted it for a while. But what he was essentially saying is, you know what I'm pretty good at? I'm pretty good at a culture war. I'm pretty good at um, dividing people against each other. And what he really wanted to do there is drive, you know, men against women, uh, maybe working class people against elites, uh, Dr. Blasey Ford is a, you know, I mean, she's a very well-educated woman. And my take on what Trump was trying to do is to basically say that he doesn't need, you know, he's basically given up on um, the support of uh, college-educated women and and women who are really deeply offended by what he did. And, and those women have been driving the House electorate. Um, and the, you know, I mean, it's college educated women that are really the backbone of the resistance. And he's basically saying to his supporters, you know, I, he wants to have a culture war between men and women. And he wants to drive this idea that men are under attack and women's sexual assault is basically, you know, exaggerated and that Dr. Ford is a liar and that the sympathetic victim is, is Kavanaugh here. And, and I think it's pretty it's not that complicated. I think that's what he was trying to do. And he's trying to gin up, you know, there are a lot of uh, Senate's elections and Republican leaning dis in Republican leaning states. And, you know, I think he's saying I'm willing to give up the House and take the Senate. And and, you know, I think that's a kind of depressing notion of politics in America. But I don't think it's any more depressing than uh, putting kids in cages and thinking you can win it, win electorally or uh, having a Muslim ban and thinking you can win electorally, this is what Trump does. What Donald Trump does is figure out a way to make this everything a zero-sum game between people. And if we lose this fight, the way, you know, the the thing to defeat Trump is that, you know, hopefully we'll win this battle and Judge Kavanaugh will not be on the Supreme Court. And that is the number one way to defeat Trump. But the second way to defeat Trump, if we lose this battle, is 
to make sure what he did does not actually help him win. And the only way we're going to do that is if women, all women, millennial women, older women, younger women, and our male allies uh, don't think politics is ugly and gross like Trump wants us to think, but actually think it's important for saving our lives. I mean, ridiculous. I mean, we're like ten minutes from The Handmaid's Tale here, and if there's, if I see one more story about how some group of people don't think voting uh, makes sense, I'm going to literally tear my hair out. I mean, there are. Look, I'll set, tell you there are stories about how, uh, and there's there's data about how intensely seniors are looking at this election and, and you know, Gen Gen Xers are looking at this election. But, you know, millennials, millennial women, millennial men, you know, don't have high intention to vote. And, I mean, that's just, that's deeply distressing. And, you know, this is a different kind of midterm. This is a different kind of politics. There are people engaged putting themselves on the line in a new way they've never done before in their lives. And I think we really need to figure out how we show up for each other on November 6th. (laughs) Yeah, it's distressing. And you know what? Like, we have a month to solve it. So we can all talk to the people in our lives and tell them how we're counting on them uh, to actually take the 10 minutes, half an hour, maybe an hour even to vote, but go do it. (laughs) Yeah, so, you know, I mean, again, I think we're seeing what's what's really we should be optimistic about is that, um, you know, so many people recognize the importance of what's happening. I mean, just the thousands of people who were in the Hart building yesterday who are, you know, basically willing to get arrested for what's happening and, you know, to stop what's happening. That's 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 vital and really important for democracy and uh, that builds on the people who protested family separation and the, you know, millions of people who marched uh, on the day after Trump was inaugurated. And so that part is inspiring. But what we really need to do now more than protest is organize around these elections. And so all of us, every single one of us is probably within 100 miles of a, or 50 miles of a of a special election, these uh, not a special election, a swing congressional district. There are Senate races that need our help, our financial support, our calls, our texts. I th- really think that, you know, everyone sh- should focus on how they'll feel on November 7th, the day after the election, if Trump has kept the House and the Senate and all these governor's races. Just think about what he will be like. And if that's too horrifying for you, which it is for me, Think about and visualize what you're doing this weekend, what you're doing next weekend, what you're doing the weeks after this to to take some action to help someone somewhere get elected who will hold Trump accountable. And I just have to say, you know, people become so cynical about politics, but just in the last 24 hours, we've had really a heroic position by Senator Heitkamp and a heroic vote by Senator Heitkamp. She's in a really tough race. This is a she's in a state that Trump won by 20 points. She's she, you know, basically came out against Kavanaugh, knowing that her state, you know, this majority of her state supports Kavanaugh. And her reason was that she needed to look herself in the mirror 
and say, I'm doing the right thing. And we get so cynical, but so many people, so many political leaders take stands like that. And what we shouldn't do is make sure they don't lose for it, but they actually win. Yeah, absolutely. And we're all, you know, I mean, people uh, people are all doing things. They're engaging in politics. They're doing podcasts. They're talk, reaching out to people in new ways. That's, that's. I mean, what's going to save the country is us, us believing in the democratic process enough to participate. And, you know, Trump tried to defeat uh, Doug Jones. He campaigned against Doug Jones. He campaigned against... Um, Connor Lamb, these were both conservative districts, and he was defeated. And I think that tells us that, you know, this this unremitting tide can end, but it can end only when we all step up and engage. Yeah. You know, I have to tell you, Nira, I, can, I, can I call you Nira? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, please. Of course. I, I, it, what worries me, and I, you know, I, I am personally energized. What worries me is that, you know, often, so for instance, I'll just give you an example. I was out yesterday or the, a couple of days ago when that presidential alert came across my phone and everyone around me, I was in a cafe, everyone around me looked, you know, <laughs> you know, startled when they got the alert, but then, you know, people just kind of went back to, to what they were doing. And, you know, and I, and I try to set up these phone banks and these canvases and, you know, there are people who are energized, but I feel like there's so many people in my life that, that, I want to be energized and, and, you know, panicked as much as I am. And I just wonder, you know, how connected are or how connected is the average person to the urgency of what we need right now? And that that really bothers me. Yeah, no, that's a real thing. I think that, you know, what I I believe is an energized person is more important than 20 apathetic people. People's energy is infectious. People's understanding is infectious. And, you know, Trump understood this in his election. He, you know, drove a lot of people to support him and be energized by him. And he whipped up a lot of hatred and anger at Hillary for with baseless, you know, just debasing commentary. And so I think the truth is that, um, you know, Republicans are getting a little jazzed up here, but it's we're, we're continuing to see intensity levels, uh, high intensity levels amongst Democrats. But there is more to do. You know, the single thing that will stop Donald Trump in his, tra- in his tracks is, is, a, is a Congress, not just a House, a Congress that rejects him. He cannot get another Brett Kavanaugh on the court if there is a Democratic Senate. Democratic House, he can do it. A Democratic Senate, he cannot. And so that's why, you know, I think if you have a relative that you haven't spoken to in a long time who lives in Tennessee or Texas or Arizona or Nevada, and you know that 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 uncle or aunt is, was kind of a Trumper and you found it uncomfortable to talk to them before, you know, pick up the phone and call them and call him or her and say, why you're angry, what you're upset about. The single thing to move voters is still the direct contact from a person who feels passionately about an issue. It still matters more than anything else. Knocking on a door or sending postcards to vote, that singular, you know, singular emotional connection you can make. 
matters the most. And I, you're right. You know, Trump has been so crazy for so long. A lot of people get tired of it. He wants people to tune out of politics. He wants people to just focus on the sideshow and forget about what matters. Um, and a lot of young people, I think, are like, everything's ugly. It doesn't really matter. But, you know, I've been in politics a really long time. Just last year, uh, we had an election in Virginia, and Democrat people turned out at historic levels in a midterm, really high levels in a midterm. And within a year, they got a Medicaid expansion that covered 300,000 people with, with health care. So we can talk about how your vote doesn't matter, but people have health care today in Virginia, and people have health care in the country today because they voted for Barack Obama, and so, or we voted for Barack Obama. So these votes really matter. You're speaking to me. How did you know that I was from Tennessee? A, how did you know that? <laughs> B, that I have lots of people, relatives that I have not spoken to <laughs> since I moved to the West Coast. So, yeah. You're- yeah, you have to call them. <laughs> you know, and I know, like, I have awkward. My husband's family is from Iowa, and, like, half of them voted for Trump. And it was, it, the election was a pretty searing experience. You know, it was really divisive. But there are people in my husband's family in Iowa who, um, you know, who uh, who are up for grabs now. And I've tried to engage with them and talk to them. And, you know, some of the, they're actually, you know, I have someone who voted for Trump in, my, in his family uh, and in our family who is now likely to vote for the Democratic governor. And it's just a Democratic candidate for governor. And so I, you know, I think it's really just doing, you know, picking up the phone, calling them, emailing them, asking them if you want to talk about why these things matter. And, you know, you may get rebuffed, but we all have to try. Intensity really matters. Reaching new people really matters. And we all have to do that work because our democracy is at stake. Okay, you've got me. I'm going to do it. (laughs) <laughs> excellent i'm gonna pick up the phone there's some awkward phone excellent. calls for me this weekend let me know how it goes i will any parting <laughs> words of wisdom for us you know i mean we really have uh, uh just a few weeks here and um i think what i learned in the last couple of weeks is that if we want to end this practice. I mean, I think what we see with Trump is every moment of kind of national alarm or crisis is one in which he seeks to divide people against each other and attack people and really go after them. And if we want to put this politics behind us, if we want to make this division end, the only way it's going to end is if it's repudiated at the ballot box. So, it's a it's a measure. It's a message I take with me everywhere. But really, now is the time to think through what you can do, what you can do with your family, whether, you know, definitely check that you're registered to vote. Talk to your friends and neighbors. If if you if you are a little shy, you can do postcards to vote. There's just every one of us can do a lot of things to change the direction of our country on November 6th um, and start voting even ahead of that in early voting states. So uh, that's what I hope we'll all do. Well, Neera Tandon, thank you so much for joining me today. Your work is, is so much appreciated. Thank you. And thank you for all you've been doing and your important voice. Is that something? Is that something?
Nice. 